0: Well, good morning, Northside family. Good to be with you today. My name's Nate. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, if it's your first time, one of the pastors here, I want to welcome you online. And uh, today is a special day. Uh, Today is our baptism weekend. We've been talking about this a couple weeks. And uh, what's been so cool is after every service this weekend, we've had baptism. And uh, one of the cool things is Jacob mentioned Presley. uh, But I just want to celebrate. We got 10 others who are getting baptized. They're all sitting down here. Can we just give them a big round of applause? Let you all know, we're so excited for you. What a great moment and uh, several neat stories that have happened. Uh, Literally one guy I talked to after the service, he came up and he said, I was around your baptism weekend a year ago. And he said, and I've been just kind of thinking about this and praying about this. And uh, he said, I've got to call my grandma, and then I'm going to meet you after the 11:30 service. And because uh, grandma's got to be at the baptism, y'all. Like you don't want to get baptized without grandma. And so it's just one of these things. God is just doing unbelievable things this weekend, and that's why it's so incredible that when we gather, when we give our hearts to the Lord, He does incredible things. And uh, this is what this whole series is all about, called Word to the Wives. That you and I, we want to grow in wisdom. We want to grow in the ways of God. That God always has plans for our lives. And what we talked about last week, the first thing that happens in Proverbs is this. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest man before Jesus, says this. He goes, whatever you do, get wisdom. Man, get wisdom. Wisdom, Go after. Now, the problem is a lot of times when we hear that phrase, go get wisdom, we're like, okay, I don't even know where to start. I don't know how. And this is the big idea we talked about. This is how we become wise is we recognize that wisdom is received. It's not achieved. Wisdom is when you and I begin to say, God, I want your wisdom to lead my life. Jesus, I want you to lead my life. And this theme goes all throughout the scriptures. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. This was kind of like if somebody went and planted a church in Las Vegas. That's what Corinth was like. Man, they worshiped the culture. It was just a crazy culture. And the gospel comes in and Jesus starts changing people's lives. And listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He said, it is because of him, Jesus, about God, that you are in Christ Jesus. It's because of God that you are in Christ who has become for us, and this is what I love, wisdom from God. See, Jesus just isn't our Savior for one moment on baptism weekend. Jesus is our wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. That growing wise is when you and I begin to boast in the Lord. That when we begin to make him our heart's affection, that he is our focus. We talked about it as well last weekend, that wisdom is beginning with the end in mind. Wisdom happens when you and I set God as our goal to say, God, I want you more than anything else. And that's what we're going to talk about today is sometimes we can make God our goal. Sometimes we get baptized on this week, this weekend. For some of you, maybe you've been thinking about baptism for a while. I want to invite you after the service to come down. We'd love to chat with you if you're thinking about it. But here's the deal. Sometimes we can make that decision. We can have Christ as our goal. The only thing is this. Here comes the question. How do we keep choosing wisdom? Wisdom. How do you and I keep wisdom around in our life? Not just a one-time decision, but an ongoing decision that we do every day in our life. What I want to do today is I want to look at just one proverb. And it's a proverb that maybe you grew up seeing. Maybe you've heard it. I grew up, I memorized it. Some of you may have this tattooed on your arm. I don't know, right? But here's the deal. A lot of times we hear this proverb, but here's been the problem, at least in my life with this proverb, I've misapplied it because I've misunderstood it. But here's the deal. If we can get this proverb, what will happen is it will keep us on the road to being wise. It will keep us growing in our wisdom. It's Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. And listen to what it says. This is the writer. This is what he says. He goes, here's how you keep growing wise. And this is what he says in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. He says, above all else, above everything else, the most important thing in your life is this. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, guard your heart, because out of it, everything flows. Matter of fact, I want to put it back up on the screen. I just wanted to say this out loud. We've heard it. We've said it. But, man, I want us just to get this in our hearts and our minds today. So let's say this out loud together today. Ready? Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, here's been the problem with me. I said I misunderstood this proverb growing up because here's what I thought about guarding our heart, meant. I thought guarding our heart was you just keep all emotions out of your heart. Nobody can hurt you if nobody can get in your heart, right? You ever find like you can't keep emotions out of your heart? I mean, you want to get anger out of your heart and then you become angry because you can't get anger out of your heart. Man, you want bitterness out of your heart, but man, the more you want to get bitterness out of your heart, the more you get bitter over the fact that you can't get bitterness out of your heart. And here's what I thought growing up. Okay, guarding my heart, man, I, you know, I grew up, I lived in Bloomington, Indiana for a couple years. I was in those golden years, you know, with Bobby Knight, man, and all this other good stuff. And I thought, man, guarding our heart, man, well, you just D up in life. Right? You keep everything out of your heart. You keep all emotions out. And I was thinking about it this week because uh, over the past couple weeks, I've been having problems with my car battery. Uh, just randomly, I would go to start my car and it'd be like, geek, geek not today right and it just wouldn't fire I'm like man what is going on and finally my battery died I went in there and I said man I think I need a new battery and they said well let's test it and they tested it and he said yep bad battery but they also said this you got the wrong battery I didn't know you could have the wrong battery I bought my car used right they put the wrong battery in there they go not only do you have a bad battery you got the wrong battery you need a new battery and I'm like, well, give me a new battery, man. But you know, they give it to you and you install it and put the battery in. Literally, this was two weeks ago. This week, car died again. I'm like, come on, man. Took it to my boy Ethan at AutoZone, right? And I'm like, Ethan, I don't know what happened. My, my father-in-law had to come jump the car. We went there. He tested He goes, bad battery. I'm like, this thing is two weeks old. And he goes, well... Let me take the connectors off. Maybe you got bad connectors, and then we'll test the battery. Ethan starts unplugging the wires. He takes the connectors off, and he goes, dude, who put all this grease on your battery? He goes, who's your mechanic? I was like, like, some moron, man. He goes, well, whoever he is, he goes... They put all this grease on the battery, and, and, and I didn't know. When I bought the battery, it comes with those little grease things. You put them on there, and I put the battery on. I'm like, well, I'm gonna grease this bad boy down. <laughs> and I put all this grease on the connectors, and he goes, no wonder this thing doesn't work. He goes, it can't connect to the electricity. He goes, the grease is blocking all of the power getting to the battery. He wipes all the grease off, tests the battery. He goes, good battery. I went. Good battery, bad mechanic, and uh, and what I didn't realize in that moment is this: I had a perfectly good battery, but here was the problem: couldn't connect to the power. And oftentimes, here's what happens when we think about guarding our heart: we think about this. Let me just keep all of our emotions out. Here's the deal: you and I will never be able to do that, will we? We'll never be able to keep all of our emotions out of our heart. It's not possible this is why the writer is saying this above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life you will never be able to keep all of the emotions out the other problem is this sometimes we go okay Nate I, I, I know I can't keep all the emotions out so here's what I try to do I try to fix my emotions I try to fix my heart I, I tried to do that. Okay, I, 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 want, I want this better about myself and, and I'm, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna change this about myself. And what happens is this, sometimes we wanna change our hearts, but what we find is this, we can't, not only can we not keep our emotions out, we can't just even change who we are without the power of God. I Had a buddy who, uh, his, growing up, his family had this incredible pool And the only thing better than having a pool is a friend who has a pool, you know, because then you don't have to ever take care of it. And uh, it's kind of like a boat. The only thing better than having a boat is a friend who has a boat, right? And I remember going over to his house all the time. And one time we were going to go over to his house and he said, we can't go over swim. He said, because the pool has algae in it. And he said, the only thing you can do is when your pool gets algae is you got to get rid of all the water in the pool. It's the only way you get rid of algae. You got to drain the whole bad boy. So they drained the whole pool filled it back up. Now they're hundreds, maybe over a $1,000 in on draining and refilling the pool only a week later to get algae back in the pool. Pool guy's like, listen, you're gonna have to drain it again, do it again. They're like, we don't want to do that. And he said, well, there's only one thing else that you can do is you need to check the filter of your pool. And when they began to open the pool, what they found was this in underneath the sand and in the sand that filters all the water out the algae was in the sand and no matter how many times they would drain their pool algae would keep being pumped into the pool and what they had to do is this they had to totally gut their filter get all the sand out power wash everything internally because what was in that filter would be pumped into the pool See, this is why the writer of King Solomon, the writer of Proverbs says this, above everything else, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Here's the deal. We don't grow up with wellsprings. We grow up with pools around here, don't we? And what we know is this. If we don't check the filter of our heart and we don't allow Jesus to begin to change us from the inside out, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna keep pumping what is in our hearts everywhere. Have you ever found it to be true? Whatever is going on in one area of your life, you take it into another area of your life. Whatever's going on in home, you take to work. And whatever's going on in work, you take home. And what's going on in your relationships, you bring home. For some of you, you're in school. I'll ask sometimes my kids, when they come home from school, how's school? Fine, oh, sounds like a great day, right? Sounds like education's just booming, right? And what's amazing is this, they bring home what was going on in their life, and now we gotta deal with it in our home. And this is why the writer of Proverbs is saying, hey, above all else, check the filter of your heart. Begin to examine what's going on in your heart. What is your heart pumping out? And you need to guard it. You need to pay attention to it because it is the wellspring of life. It flows into every other area of your life. Pay attention to what's going on. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. Some of you are going, okay, if those aren't what guarding your heart is, if it's not just keeping emotions out and it's not just fixing your heart, what is guarding your heart? You may want to write this down. This is what guarding our heart is. Guarding your heart is actually giving your heart to God. See, guarding our heart isn't keeping things from God. Guarding our heart is when you and I give our hearts to God. When we give him our bitterness, when we give him our anger, when we give him our future, when we give him our plans, when we give him our fears, when we give him our anxieties, when we give him our anxiousness, what happens is this. He begins to pump new life into us. This is why I'm convinced when, when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and he formed a new people, his people, the Israelites. He gave them the Ten Commandments. You know, sometimes we look at the Ten Commandments as like just rules you got to follow. The Ten Commandments were a gift from God. And the reason why he gifted them was because this. They didn't know how to be a people. They'd been in slavery for 400 years. Listen what God says to them in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 through 3. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I've brought you out of this. And then this is what he says. You shall have no other gods before me. You know what he's saying? Give me your heart first. Give me your heart first. Because here's what's going to happen. When you give me your heart first, everything is going to begin to flow into the rest of your life. Matter of fact, if the Israelites would have gotten this right, that if they wouldn't have given their heart to anything else, all of the other nine commandments would have followed suit. No other idols, not taking the Lord's name in vain, remembering the Sabbath, not murdering, not stealing, not committed adultery, not coveting. Here's the deal when you and I worship and give our hearts to God first, it's a wellspring that feeds into every other area of our life. It pours into everything else. Here's what you and I need to understand, whether you're a follower of Jesus here today or not, is this, that every single one of us was made to worship. Your heart, you have emotions, you have passions, you have desires, and God put them in you for his glory. And what he's saying is this, you worship me first, and you will end up guarding your heart. The life stream will come through you. Your life will change. Just worship me first. Because the question isn't will you and I worship in life? The question really is what are you and I already worshiping in life? We will worship, we will go after things. But have we given our hearts first to God? See, this is how we guard our hearts. Matter of fact, Jesus, this is what he offers the woman at the well. We love the story about Jesus and the woman at the well. Because what we see is a woman who has had her heart broken time and time again. She's given her heart to different men only to have her heart be broken, only to be chucked away, treated as second rate, discarded, thrown away like garbage. And Jesus meets her and he says, can you give me some water out of the well? And she's like, well, you don't know who I am. We're not even supposed to speak. And Jesus in his mind is like, oh, I know, because you need the living water. And listen to what he tells her in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. He says, everyone who drinks this water by the well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you and I give our hearts to him first, man, your heart is going to be full he said, indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That God is saying, when you give me your heart, man, your heart, it is gonna well up into eternal life. It is gonna be this life stream that's coming out of us. This is why Jesus says this in Matthew chapter six, when he's given his Proverbs in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this in Matthew chapter six, verse 21. He says, for wherever your treasure is, what? there your heart will be also. He's going, whatever you put your heart to, whatever you give your heart to is gonna be your treasure. And what he's saying is, he's reflecting Proverbs chapter four going, hey, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. I love what Tim Keller says, pastor in New York City, one of my favorite authors. He says this about idols. He says, here's what we need to know about idols in our life. He says, every idol that you and I have actually started as something good. Work is a good thing. Work is a gift from God until work becomes our idol. Relationships are a good thing. Relationships are a gift from God until relationships become what we worship. Money is a good thing. It's neutral, it doesn't do anything without people affecting it. But here's the thing about money money only becomes an idol when it begins to have your heart. See, this is why above all else, we've got to guard our hearts. We have to give our hearts to Jesus because it is the wellspring of everything else. It is what moves us in to wisdom. Here's the only thing about guarding our heart. What happens when we drop our guard? What happens to a boxer when he drops his guard? He gets knocked out, right? Boxing one-on-one, don't drop your guard you're going to lose, right? You're going to lose. Here's the thing, life 101, don't drop your guard because life will begin to knock you out. What's interesting is this, Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7, if you read it, this is what it begins to talk about. It talks about what happens when you drop your guard and you begin to let your heart worship and go after loads of debt, What happens when you just live a life of laziness? When you live, what lust just begin to own your heart and you go after that? Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, the Bible doesn't hold pull any punches, man. The Bible tells you exactly what's gonna happen to your life. And what it says is this when you begin to live that way, it's gonna end in destruction. So, above all else today, Jesus is saying, Let me guard your heart by you giving me your heart. And here's what happens He's gonna begin to change our hearts. He's going to begin to be the filter that flows new water. And, and this is what I love about this. In Proverbs chapter 4, oftentimes we, we read a proverb, but we don't keep reading on. I want to read to you what happens when we give our heart to the Lord. And it says this in, in chapter 4, verse 24 through 27, right after when he says, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Listen to what it says. This is the change that happens. It says, put away perversity from your mouth. Some of us, you want to change the way you talk. It says keep corrupt talk from your lips. Some of you, you just struggle to not gossip, right? You struggle to not just scroll through Facebook late at night, right? Because it just feels good to see other people fail, right? You know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes those say, y'all looking and elbowing right now. I see you, right? And, you know, and, and here's what happens. Sometimes those things begin to be in our heart. And we don't realize it. But he says, this is why we need to guard our heart. He said, because we got to put away perversity from our mouths. And we got to keep corrupt talk from our lips. And then this is what he says. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. You want to know what happens? Because sometimes this is what I found literally after every service I've asked people how long you've been thinking about getting baptized you know what the average answer has been this whole weekend over a year one person said yeah actually it was two years for me I've been thinking about this because here's what we know it's not an easy decision is it to give our hearts to the Lord we got a lot invested in that Our identity is invested in that. Our career is invested in that. Our plans, our futures. And see, here's what happens when we give our hearts to the Lord. When we begin to worship him above everything else, here's what happens. Worship begins to change our words. Some of us, we want to change our language. We want to change the way we speak. And we're trying not to cuss as much or say this or talk like this or da-da-da-da. Can I just let you know you'll never stop that unless you let Jesus be your filter. And what happens is when you begin to worship God first, it begins to change the way you and I talk This is why Jesus says it this way. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I read another translation that said it this way. Out of the overflow of the heart, the fingers text. No, I didn't, right? This is just my translation, but here's what happens. We text out of the overflow of our hearts. I got a buddy, he said this. He said, when there's a moment, man, where his emotions are going wild, somebody has sent him a pretty harsh email. He said, this is what he does. And he starts firing back. And then he said, a golden rule that he lives by is this in business. He never sends his first email draft. He goes, because this is what I know. That's of me, that's not of God. There has been no filter put on that email. And he said, oftentimes, he just knows himself. He goes, oftentimes when there's an email like that, he says, I won't even send it until the next day. Because what he's saying is this, out of the overflow of my heart, man, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let it loose. And Jesus says, this is why we give our hearts first to God. Because when we worship him before everything else, man, it begins to change our words. And, and here's the thing, it, it's not just about you and I not speaking unkind words. You know what it's also about? You and I speaking the words of God to each other. Don't we need encouragement from one another? Man, we need people to speak into our life. This is why Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says this. It says, reckless words pierce like a sword. We've all been pierced before, haven't we, by other people's words? And we've all pierced other people, haven't we, with our words? Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Did you know that Jesus wants to bring healing to this world today through your words? think about that. What an honor. What an opportunity. I don't know if you've noticed this. The world's kind of divided right now. We can't agree on anything, can we? And God is saying this, this is what I want you to do. I want you to give your heart first to me because I want you to speak healing into the world. This is why when we get saved, when we give our lives to the Lord, this is what it comes from. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is the king, that he is what we worship, and we believe in our heart, it's this confessing and believing that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That we speak this, but we believe this. Out of our heart, we speak this. Out of our heart, our lives begin to change. But here's the other thing that happens. This is what the passage says. Not only do we put away perversity in our corrupt talk, but it says this, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. Here's what worship does. Worship changes your direction. See, when you and I, this is why I love, some people go, Nate, why do we have the music up so loud when we sing? It's so the other people around me can't hear me singing. They'll leave the church, man. They're like, oh my gosh, have you heard that guy? No, that's not really why, but here's the thing. Some of you, you go, you love the music. Some people go, I don't really love worship music. And it's more the music when we talk about worship. What happens is this, when we sing, and even if you don't sing, what happens is when we hear these words, when when we sing the words of reckless love, when we hear that God has left the 99 for the one, you know what it does to our hearts? It changes our heart's direction. It begins to go, God, maybe my life isn't about me. Maybe my life is about you. Maybe it's about the God of all creation who loves us, who has sent his son to save us and it begins to change our direction. I love what one of my favorite authors and pastors, Andy Stanley says, he says this. He says, direction, not our intention determines our destination. I intended to lose 10 pounds last year and then COVID, I gained 20. I don't know what happened, right? Here's the thing, a lot of us in this room, we have a lot of intentions, don't we? I intend to do a lot of things this year. More than our intention is this. What's our direction? Where are we going? Let us fix our gaze on him. Let us focus straight ahead. See, when we worship, when Jesus is the filter, when we give our hearts to him, it changes everything. This is why in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, I love what it says. Right after in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it talks about that we are saved by grace through faith, that you place your faith in his grace that saves us. But then it says this. It says, for we are God's workmanship. Just listen to God's word spoken to you today. That you and I are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Sometimes you've heard people say stuff like this. God has a plan for your life. Well, what is it? I don't know. Just keep praying. No. Here's what you need to know. Here's who you are. You are God's workmanship. Literally, that word, you know what it means? Poem. You're God's poem. You're his artwork. You're his masterpiece. And what he's saying is this. When you know who you are and you worship the God who made you, That you and I are made in Christ Jesus. And we understand we are not made for our own purpose, but for his good and his good works. And then this is what we find. What he's already prepared in advance for you and I to do. Do you already know God has plans for you today? You may not have any plans. God has plans for you today. God has plans for you. And here's what happens when you and I give our hearts to him. Here's what he starts doing. He starts filtering all of his plans into your heart. By the power of his Holy Spirit, he goes, here's what I have for you. Here's what I have for you. Literally, when my father-in-law came and jumped my car when I was stuck, after he jumped it, he said, you know what I pray every day? I'd never heard him say this before. He goes, I pray. He's got the gift of helps. He said, I pray every day, Lord, would you let me help somebody today? And I'm like, thank God you prayed that, Tony, right? Because I need you, my man. You didn't know it, and I didn't know it, but man, I'm thankful that you walk by the Spirit because I need your help. See, this is what happens when you and I start worshiping like that, when you and I start praying like that. God My eyes are fixed on you today. I don't know all the plans that you have for me, but God, your scripture says that you have plans for me. So I'm gonna worship you. And I'm gonna allow your plans to lead the way. See, when we worship him, he changes our words. He changes our direction. And then this is what he says. Make level paths for your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Don't swerve to the right or the left, but keep your foot from evil. You know what he's saying? Worship changes our plans. It doesn't just change our direction. It changes our plans. And you and I start walking in God's plan. And you and I start experiencing what God has for us. Last night after the baptism it was great, A lady came back in, we were wrapping up, and she said, Are you guys still baptized? We said, absolutely. She said, I totally walked out of the auditorium, got to my car, got in my car. And she just said, nope, Lord, today's the day. Got back out of her car and walked back in. And what was so cool was this. Some of you today, you weren't planning on getting baptized. Can I just let you know, we got shorts, we got shirts. You can change your plans today, right? Here's the good news. Your heavenly father has plans for you. He has plans for you. See, this is why we worship him. Because he's going, I want my will and my spirit and my power to flow in your life. I want it to impact and affect every area, every relationship, every thought I want to get into. I want to redeem. What I love is at the end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, the last Chapter of the Bible it's like John couldn't help himself, but he had to write it in one more time Jesus's best friend, who was faithful in following him even though he got in exile for being a follower of Jesus, left for dead on an island. And he goes, that's okay, because I'm worshiping him. I'm gonna follow him. He's gonna be my words. He's gonna be my direction. He's gonna be my plans. It's okay if, you know, they're just gonna leave me for exile out here for following Jesus. I'm gonna keep speaking of him. And what's amazing is he writes this in Revelation chapter 22. And listen to what he says. He says, the spirit and the bride say, come on. Let him who hears this say, come. Whoever is thirsty, whose ever wellspring is dried up, Jesus says, come on, let him come to Jesus and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life, the water of life. For some of you in your life right now, it is a dry, desperate, and lonely place, and the water of life is here for you today, and he just simply says this, just give me your heart, just give me your life, and I will begin to pump the water of life in your soul. Give me your past sin, give me your fears, give me your failures, give me your brokenness, give me the words that you've pierced people with. See, that is what the cross is all about. And it brings forth life. Here in a moment, we're gonna sing a song. And after the song, we're gonna invite you, and we're dismissed, if you need today to be baptized, to give your heart to the Lord, we're gonna invite you to come down by the steps on either side. I'll be down here. We got staff and volunteers down here. Today's just might be the day we're going, God, I need to give you my heart. I need to guard it by giving you my heart. But here's what we're gonna do before we do that. Every week, this is what we do here. We take communion. We take the bread and the juice and we remember the one who gave himself. See, we give ourselves to Jesus because he gave himself first to us. And uh, here's what's so cool. Somebody wise invented some new communion and bread. And for the first time, some of you are actually gonna be able to open your communion cup for the first time in eight months. Yes, I, I, last week somebody came to me, and go, hey, communion next week, I'm tailgating. I said, you're tailgating? They go, I'm bringing my own communion. I can't open my cup, man. Saturday night, it was great. There was a guy down front over here. He goes, hey, new cups, great, because I bring a pocket knife every week to open my communion. Now, Kenya. you. Now here's the deal about this new communion, all right? You got to open the bread first and get that out because if you open the juice first and then you turn it over to get the bread, it's going to be a disaster, all right? So there has got to be an order to it. Here's why we do this. Here's why we take the bread. Here's why we take the juice. You know why we do this? Because every time what we're saying is this, Jesus, you have my heart. Jesus, you have my heart. Question for you today. Question for me today. What do we need to give Jesus today? What do we need to give him? Maybe for some of you, the first time is to give him your heart. Maybe for some of you, you've got a relationship that's gone sideways. And in this moment, what you're going to declare is, God, thank you for being my savior. Thank you for being my wellspring. Thank you for being my living water that saves me. And what we do is when we take the bread and when we take the juices, we are declaring, God, there is no other God before you. Jesus, we guard our hearts by giving you our hearts and we give it with gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God for pumping life into our hearts through the cross. And so right now, let's take a moment. Let's give our hearts to the Lord. Let's give him our gratitude for the cross, for being resurrected, for overcoming all sin and death right now. Let's take a moment and take the bread and the juice together. Let's do that right now.